Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. Happy Monday, Latchkey Kids, or whatever day it is you're listening. I'm Sarah Sweeney, your host. Thanks for coming back. This is a two-parter, super exciting. I had so much fun hanging out with today's guest, so let's just get into it. All right. Last week, I finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender in its entirety on Netflix. This binge viewing of the 2005 series was completely fueled by today's guest, who stepped into one of the pivotal roles of this iconic animation. You like that? You like that? I wrote that. Iconic. I like that. And I like being called, you know, I I will say, oh, don't call me a national treasure. but (laughs) Treasure of not just California, but New Mexico as well. To the kids who grew up with Avatar, he is Uncle Iroh. To the folks a little older, he's a coup from Samurai Jack. Either way, he is one of my favorites on Twitter. Today on Latchkey Kids, we have the very talented Greg Baldwin. Hello, Greg. It is good to meet you at last, my friend. It has been too long we have communicated on Twitter, and now, through the miracle of technology, we meet. Yes. Glorious. Hello, it's nice to meet you at last. You too. Goody gumdrops. I'm so excited to see you. Live-ish. Ah, nice to meet you. I see you have a nice little booth. We got our, our separate little booths here. <laughs> nice space you got there. You know, it, we it was a moldy garage in the house that we, that we bought in Albuquerque, and we thought we would turn it into just sort of like a little studio apartment for when the kids are home. And we thought we'd take a closet, yeah. and I thought, you know, just a place where I could audition from. Yeah. Well, I assumed when we moved here that I'd be going back and forth to Los Angeles. Uh, but as it turned out, we ended up spending quite a bit more because it turned out to actually have to be the oh, place God. where I actually do the gigs. So, and it's worked out pretty well thus far, you know? Yeah. I love the commute. It definitely <laughs> beats, you know, taking an Uber to Culver City from Burbank. I, I can tell you that. Are you in an actual closet? It was, it, well, actually it was built to be this, but it actually is a closet. What I wanted it to be was I wanted it to be both. Yeah. So that it is, it still needs some work, you know, but it does have a pull down bar so that if people want to use it for a, a closet, they can hang things in here. Uh-huh. So it's sort of, it's sort of a, uh, yeah, I like, I like tiny places. I've always wanted the tiny home and Melissa won't let me have one. <laughs> so like, this is sort of my tiny home. Like, I like the idea of trying to make spaces do multiple things, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
which of course you do. You live in New York. You have to. Hell yeah. You know, the places are small. Yeah, you, you have to figure out different ways to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel kind of ridiculous that my closet is my I and I, and I unabashedly refer to it as, oh my my recording studio. Hardy har har wink wink. It is a recording studio. It is. And no one re- questions it. They don't nobody knows. Before the uh this this wasn't done yet, and I was doing a uh Oh, it's for Ghost of Tsushima. It was one of the very, very last pickup sessions. And it was the height of COVID. This wasn't done. And literally, I was trying to just do with this crappy microphone with a blanket over the computer to muffle the sound. Yes, I've been there. And I was discovering, no, wait a minute, I can't see the copy. <laughs> and I was like, Can you hand me a flat? So I'm literally huddled under this blanket with the microphone. And a... this is way better. It's way more comfortable. What's your microphone? This is a Newman. A Newman. It's it's the one that everybody says this is the one that you need to get. Field TLM 102, 103, whatever. I think it's I think it's 103. Oh. And it's you know I did a uh, it's good enough for Disney, so I guess that you know it must be a pretty good microphone if you know if they're chill with me using it. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Mine is good enough for the Sci-Fi Channel a couple of years ago. So there you go. Hey, you know it's nice. It's nice to have. You know, my son is a is a composer, and he was when my daughter was here. He had to move in here briefly because it's very small. He stayed here for when he left New York when things got scary back in April. April, yeah. And came and, and came and stayed with us. And we're also in the basement. There was a basement apartment that we've been renovating, and it's almost done. Uh, and he was there, but then my daughter and her boyfriend came into town for Christmas, and so he got booted up to here. <laughs> it's a great place. It's a great place, a little office, but it. when he was here in April, he stayed here for three months, mm-hmm. and it's really, really small. For I three, hear I you. Know how we could have done it for three months, but... Is this, uh, is this your son in New York? Yes. <laughs> he was going to go. He was supposed to have gone back yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said to him, you know, maybe let's just wait till Biden's inaugurated and make sure good call. Are, you know, as calm as whatever the new calm is, is going to be. Yeah. And he, he agreed that that'd probably be a pretty good idea. I like that you're calling it new calm. <laughs> the new, what is it? I, it was actually, you know, people always assume that just because I voice a wise character, I'm actually wise. And I'm not. Oh, you're not? I'm not. Forget it. <laughs> Never mind. I, I thought I'd get some real wisdom out of this time. Forget I, it, Greg. Wise thing, and I thought, well, I tweeted this one time. Wow, that's pretty freaking wise. It was, I, I, whatever the new normal is, I hope it's a wiser normal. And that was actually pretty fun <sighs> to say. It's like, well, that sounds like something Ira would say. Absolutely. Humans don't tend to learn from their mistakes quickly. They do eventually, but sometimes it takes time. A couple centuries. Yeah. Honestly, I thought, you know, uh, I thought, you know, and as long as I've been on this planet, probably 1968 was probably the for scariest. me. I was eight years old. It was fantastic. But when I look back in retrospect, 1968 was a really crappy year. Yeah. But uh, now it's it's number two now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know it got it got got shunted. <laughs> Hopefully it stays in the number two position. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're off to, you know, except for the coup attempt and the fascism. Except and that old thing, you know. I know that uh, 
the nice thing about we we sold our house in LA and we moved here literally we left LA February 29th oh my it goodness turns out picked a really good time you know to move to a sparsely populated state where we didn't know anybody <laughs> <laughs> you know, oddly enough timing was pretty impeccable yeah no pressure to hang out with your your friends or neighbors because you know i I, it is mostly unfortunately we've been married a long time we get along very well it's 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 cool but i do sometimes miss friends you know really friends yeah we've met neighbors on either side but all we can do is say okay how are you you know this is all over let's get together for dinner yeah I've had a nice uh, exchange with our next door neighbor who we kind of knew her by her dog pop popcorn. And uh, at some point she's like, I made too much banana bread. Are you guys home and want it? And it's become this adorable baking exchange. And before it was just sort of like, hi, good morning. And that was it. And, and it's, it's wonderful. Good consequence of all of this, you know? Yeah. And, and I know uh, my wife and I used to love going out to eat, spent far too much money on it. And, you know, it turns out I'm a pretty good cook, as it turns out. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, because we've had to, you know, we used to, oh, my God, when you go to the grocery store, just the impulse buys. Mm-hmm. And now when we're, we're doing Instacart, so everything has to be. Very specific. Planned out, and our menus are planned out. And that's also, I think, a good. We're probably eating healthier than we did before. Because yeah, you were making like a cauldron of chili the other day. I was. My son wanted, before he went back to New York, wanted to videotape me making it because he wanted to see exactly what the secret was. And it's like, I'll try. But, you know, chili is always, it's never exactly the same. It's kind of like, you know, what do I have on hand? Yeah. I'm from Texas. No beans. No beans allowed. I detected a little Southern something going on. Now and then it does reassert itself not usually but i i do find myself with my a's sometimes my a's come out almost like an a's A's raining (laughs) it's almost cockney really raining but uh i have a my my relationship with texas is is complicated very complicated i understand i I don't understand but i also detest it with every you know you know i don't like their politics the weird thing about it is that once you go down there I, Texans are actually very nice, genuine people, as long as you don't discuss politics or religion with them. Yeah, I know a handful, but they're all in, in Austin. And so Austin's they're, they're cool Texans. Aust- Austin's they're, not Texas. It's not Texas. Austin is Austin. You yeah. know, it, Austin is its own thing. Yeah. Now that I've eliminated Texans as an audience for this podcast, let's take a quick break and hear about the other podcasts from Night Shift Radio. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Talk Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Q. And on Twitch at Shift Q to join the community. For more information about Shift-Alt-Q, visit nightshiftradio.com. 
I'm Michael Fight, and I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because, because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them and we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com and of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Okay, cool. Let's get back to Greg. Quick editor's note. We had some weird audio issues here, so I completely deleted an entire sentence, which transitions into a chat about Zoom because we were having the audio issue. Anyway, great news. I've kind of figured things out. Zoom stresses me out. You'll hear more about that. I'm not a Zoom audio engineer, okay? But I can record a proper commercial that you can see on the television from time to time. So, you know, not all is lost. Anyway, I've made some major Zoom breakthroughs. It's literally just a button. I'm so embarrassed. Anyway, uh, you can look forward to cleaner audio in subsequent episodes. How exciting. Okay, let's actually get back to Greg now. Zoom, I think, is, uh, you know, great, I suppose. But also, like, I, I, I stupid won't in so many miss ways. doing everything by Zoom. But it has been kind of cool we can still communicate yeah. and, and do business you know i had the uh this, the strangest yeah. experience yeah. of my life the samurai jack uh video game was coming out and they wanted as a promo and part of that they wanted to film me playing the game as aku and so they were in la they sent me all these lights they sent me all these cameras and I literally, it was kind of, it was kind of a really good education that day because I was literally setting up the shot, going back to the Zoom, talking to the director and talking to everybody in LA. And then I would go back and sit in my recline, you know, sit in the, sit down. And then I would be the actor and slate myself and say, okay, it was actually kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, that... you know it was actually, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, but it was, it was a strange experience. I'm not terribly technically adept. <laughs> But I, I think I'm more technically adept, you know, maybe than I was. Yeah. Well, I suppose we all have have to have been had to have been. Um, this this all stresses me out because I think I know what I'm doing, and then I'll change one thing, and then I have no idea what I've done. So I need I need someone to come in here and be like yoink to some little button, and everything will be perfect. Oh, and and it, and it have. I mean, I the other I was. Uh... It was a Zoom, you know, and my, my sound would not come up. And then, you know, that's very embarrassing when you're at a meeting and it's like, and you're the one and I'm an old guy. Oh, the old guy. Oh, the old guy. No, uh, it's like, can you, hey, grandfather, can you <laughs> right over there in the left screen? It was routed through my, this. Yeah. I was routed of my computer microphone. And that's ultimately what happened. And I figured out how to fix it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a work Zoom and uh, we don't use Zoom very often for work. And months and months and months ago, my husband and I were on Zoom with friends. And I used my work computer because it had Zoom on it. What the hell? And uh, the host, our friends, changed my name to Salty Balls. <laughs> well, you know. I signed into my office holiday Zoom party. <laughs> salty balls. And I saw salty balls and there was no camera. And I texted a friend and I said, I feel bad for the schmuck who doesn't remember renaming himself salty balls. <laughs> and my friend was like, I think that's you. 
I was so stressed for for days. I'm like, I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna get some sort of lawsuit. You know, like sexual something going. You know, you know. Oh, good. You weathered that. You know. I mean, I in a in a sweat panic, I um I left the meeting and then figured it all out and came back. But it was days before I was like, oh yeah, he changed my name like six months six months ago to Salty Balls. <laughs> <sighs> memo to me don't ever change my name you know because i notice sometimes people will change it yeah like if i'm doing a zoom for a con they'll still they'll, they'll change it like greg you know they'll have their character name yeah like you know i, I don't i'm afraid i'd never get it back <laughs> now i'm just greg baldwin it's fine i don't know why i would default to it well anyway zoom's stupid good to meet you on zoom it's nice to meet you <laughs> it is we would never have happened otherwise yeah you know oh my god um, I have a little, I have a little introductory paragraph all about you. Oh, I love that. I'm an I, actor. You know, you know I love you that. know, Greg, Greg is so fabulous because, and another thing about Greg, enough yeah. about Greg, let's talk about Greg. Let's talk about the first, the first time I ever did a, a panel at a con. I didn't know I was doing it. Hmm. They said, okay, it's time for your, your, your panel now. I was like, oh, I didn't know I was, I was doing a panel. Who am I doing it with? They said, oh, no, nobody, it's just you. And I said to my wife, I said, geez, I don't know if I can talk about myself for an hour. And she's like, <laughs> don't worry, Greg, you got this. And, oh, and, in, and indeed, th three hours later, I was still talking. You know, was, yeah. <laughs> I was born in Texas. <laughs> it was a Wednesday, about 52 degrees. It was a Tuesday. Mm, excuse and, me. September 3rd. I know that. That's a weird thing. Why would I know that? I was I born on a Wednesday. I know that. So you're it, not alone. It was a Tuesday in 1960. Eisenhower was president. Mm -hmm. Speaks volumes about how <laughs> it was barely, but not for long. JFK was about to kick his Republican ass. Well, we got highways out of them anyway. Well, I mean, uh, today Eisenhower would be considered a liberal. A lot of his things. <laughs> I know. You're absolutely right. Say, oh, we're not going to let him. I don't want politics enough. Enough. Okay. I feel like this is me reading, uh, like Sarah Sweeney, announcer. <laughs> you know, I don't get a whole lot of just straight announcing things anymore, and I kind of wish I did. I kind of like them. Yeah, I, I almost never get them. It's always, you know, mom, casual mom talking to a friend. I did a. It was a hotel commercial several years ago and i was old dad i was old dad talking to his daughter you know off off camera you know yeah you know everything is old i'm only 60 god damn it not that old that's you what was the hotel it was uh, I, I think it was like, and, and it's all, it's all about this, you know, I always told her, you know, play by the rules. And now I realize you should do things differently. It was kind of a sweet commercial. They still pay holding fees. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. They don't, they don't run it a lot because the hotels these days, you know, are not a, and, <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. And not a, not a big, uh, not a big call for that. No, no. I'm, I'm the new voice of Nutrisystem, which is really, I think just a seasonal thing because it's like, oh God, I've eaten literally everything in the last uh, couple of weeks couple of weeks couple of couple of months let's just be honest and i and you know and the thing is well, what the hell it's the end of the world come on let's see come Fuck on it. let's just have some ice cream no yeah scoop is i don't like to drink tea especially gosh 
this is a this is you know a big cover up. It's like you know again. I was I was born here in New Mexico. I was raised in Texas. My whole family is from Texas, so I grew up drinking sweet tea. Mm-hmm. Sweet tea, and I, I like you know I'll drink you know a Long Island tea from time to time. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know hot tea I don't generally drink a lot of nor coffee really so you know i hate to burst everybody's bubble but you know do you just start the day with a long island iced tea absolutely (laughs) (laughs) as a matter of fact that'll really get you moving in the morning (laughs) ask them to try a long island tea and you know what you won't get much work done but you won't care no you won't care you won't know because it's every alcohol all of them combined it's it's a fucking kool-aid in mixture it's a bad party it, oh my God, it was one, there was a Halloween one time, let's say, and I went to, and uh, I was the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and there was a friend of mine from Boston, and we had just moved to Los Angeles from Texas, and I had challenged him, and I said, no one from Boston can outdrink someone from Texas. Let's oh, give come it. on. Uh, it didn't go well for Texas that night. I <laughs> just say... <laughs> I woke up the next morning still at the party. I will say that in a pool of my own vomit. I think is where it was. It's a good thing it was just vomit. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. As a Rhode Islander, I could have told you that. Yeah, I I, I learned my lesson. You know, mm-hmm. don't ever try to outdrink somebody from Boston. <laughs> Do it. How's it going in Albuquerque? What's your uh, What's your quarantine about? Well, you know, as we were talking earlier, we. Several years ago, this was probably about five years ago, my wife and I, there was a very good chance that we were going to both be laid off from our day gigs at exactly the same time, Mm -hmm. exactly at the time that my kids' student loans were coming due. So we're freaking out, going, what are we going to do? We started looking at uh, production hubs in the United States and going through, you know, Atlanta, obviously, and some of these others. And, and, oh, look at this. They, They shoot a lot of stuff in Albuquerque. I was born 16 miles from here. And we, my wife has been coming to New Mexico with me on family vacations as long as, 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 since she's been a part of the family. So we love New Mexico and said, well, you know what? Let's just take a, a, a trip out there and look around, see what the lay of the land is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we settled at an Airbnb in this really cool neighborhood called Knob Hill. Uh, it's right on Route 66. So it has all that wonderful old neon mid-century architecture, which I love. Awesome. It's literally, it, it used to have a bunch of bars and restaurants. It will again. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and we fell in love with it, kept coming here. And finally, this house presented itself. And so we, we sold it, you know, sold our house in California, moved here on February the 29th, right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. With the, you know, I had assumed that we would be going back to L.A. periodically because it's an hour and a half by air, 10 hours by car. It's not that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things didn't turn out that way. So I now I'm in my booth where L.A. comes to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, again, a nice a nice unintended consequence of, of, of this horrible time is uh, less commute. And I think that's going to be, once this is all over, I think I, uh, something will be good for the planet. And just for people's lives. Because yeah. now, now that that cat is out of the bag and the corporations realize that you don't have to be have your butt in a seat in an office every single day, mm-hmm. I think it's going to make people a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly going to be better for the planet, you know, if you don't 
that was something is I love Los Angeles with all my heart. It it is a city unlike any other. It it, but the frustration of having all of these cool things to do and you can't get there. Yeah. And that just, you know, here in Albuquerque, when they say something is 10 minutes away, they it's at it. 10 minutes away, you know, it's not two hours on the 405. And I like that. I mean, traveling is weird. Like I was in LA early February, just for like a little Sarah trip. It was fabulous. And that was the time that like I was, walking into LAX and started noticing just a smattering of people with masks on. And it was like, oh, this is, this is something legitimate. Yeah. And everything started to go. And I, I was last, it was right after Christmas and right before New Year's, I was just watching TV one night and suddenly, and I have had no food allergies. My face swelled up on this side of my face, huge. Oh no. And I'm like, oh, I got to the emergency room. And I thought, I don't know. I thought it's, and they saw me immediately. Apparently, this is a very dangerous thing. Uh, they never could figure out what caused the swelling. I also, a couple of days later, had a big, my, my, it was like I couldn't breathe. I went to the doctor, thought I was having a heart attack. Nope, you're not having a heart attack. I was really tired. Oh. And I, I actually Googled it this week and it said a very rare uh, side effect of COVID. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does cause facial swelling. And I thought, oh, my God, the time it was first found in California, they think it was probably there by mid-December. And we had gone to this big where you look at the lights. Uh -huh. And I think, you know, I'd like to I want to get tested for antibodies because I wondered. They all said, oh, it was just it's just stress. But, I, you know, the symptoms sort of match up. And I wonder if that's not Something. what I want. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I got back to New York after LA, and I was, I was sick all through March. So you had it? I don't know. I I didn't get. It was before the antibody test, before anything was out. But it was just in retrospect, it was like I was sick a really long time. New York was terrifying. I mean, it was terrible. We also had arrived here. Our house wasn't done yet. The, the renters were still living here, mm -hmm. so we had a month of Airbnb, and that was the strangest month in my life. Where we left everything in LA, our family, kids, kid and one sons in New York, daughters in, you know, LA. The world is literally, it's like we're on the Titanic, you know, yeah. sinking. Yeah. Uh, scary times. And then New York got so bad. It's like we called my son and said, you know, I think it would be safer for you to get on a plane and come home than to stay in New York. Right, right. And until, uh, which was also an unintended good consequence. We got to spend three months with my son this year. Yeah. So, you know, there's good things coming some, up. Some silver linings, for sure. Most I get to spend a whole week with my mom in the fall. It was wonderful. I haven't, I haven't had that amount of time with her since I was, like, in college or unemployed when I was, like, 25. And that's, that's, that's great that to have, you know, to have that, that chance. There are, we're talking about neighbors, meeting neighbors, which we, or meeting, socially distancing meeting right. neighbors. Right, But it's. I, I truly think that once we get through this, and I think we're, we will be through it sooner rather than later, uh, I think, th th you know, if we remember it, rem I, I, there are good things that can come out of this. I, I, I truly, truly do believe it. You know, Iros, my favorite Iro line, uh, and, you know, it, it actually has helped me through this time. My absolute favorite Iro line, it was actually from uh, Legend of Korra. The line is... Uh, oh, I just started it. If you look for the light, you can often find it. If you look for the dark, 
that is all you will ever see. And I think that's really good advice for the times in which we live. Just look for the light. There's, there's, there's good, there's blessings in everything. Tiny things that we don't even notice, mm -hmm. but we've been cooped up inside so long. I think we're more apt to notice little things that maybe we didn't notice before. Absolutely. This, yeah. this past spring, summer, fall, my local park, uh, Fort Tryon Park, your son probably knows it. Yes, um, he does. He loves it. He goes there all the time. He loves it. Is, I'm there every day. And over the summer, for the first time, I saw hummingbirds. Oh, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Yeah. You know? might not have noticed that before with all the hustle and bustle and you know I obviously I, I had hoped to be in New York in March I, I wasn't there as has the city is the city still the city you know the, I haven't been like south of 181st street in three months really so yeah. I don't know I mean my neighborhood hasn't changed much like the outdoor dining is a thing but it's you know 28 degrees half the time lately so it's not a thing um there's a place by me that i absolutely love it's called uptown garrison and they have these they call it their party float and they have igloos i put that in quotes because it's like these plastic uh greenhouse structures and um i always think it's like it's like being in your own little fort you'd probably like it as a small space thing. i would I like, I like tiny spaces i absolutely would probably enjoy it I, you know there's a little I, table for two and and you're just in your little spot and, and you don't have to listen to anybody else's conversations which is something i really love about it <laughs> my wife and i because I, I do and i think we were talking about time you know my love of tiny spaces and I think, and I think my wife hit the nail on the head. When I was young, my, I, I wasn't an army brat, but I call myself a bureaucrat brat. My dad was a bank examiner for the uh, FDIC. So we moved all around the Southwest. I think I went to five elementary schools in like four states. Oh my goodness. And I think, and I think Melissa said, I think it's probably true. That's probably why I like these small spaces. Because it's like, it's something I can control. I can go in and this, this is where I belong. I don't have to worry about, you know, what kids I'm going to sit with at the lunch table next week. Yeah. Yeah. Safe, safe weird. corner. I say that. It's weird how that, uh, it's weird how that stays with you. Yeah. After all these years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a really good friend, Matt Ehrman. He's a massive avatar fan. And I mentioned you were going to be on and he just was super excited about it. As was my friend Reed and um, they're 10 years apart. And I love that this show has such a generational span. You took on two major roles originally voiced by the Japanese actor Mako after he died. What is your process for approaching pre-established characters? Well, I mean, the story of how I came, I mean, first of all, I think life is so funny. I never would have imagined myself taking over from Mako and Mako, I'm sure never would have imagined Greg Baldwin taking over for him. It's, it's just odd, you know, we're so, but and I, I love it because the, the older I get, sometimes when you have a, a lot of years behind you, sometimes you can see, oh, this insignificant little thing happened. And I can absolutely see how this insignificant thing led to this really significant thing. Mm -hmm. And I uh, wanted to be an actor from the time I was 10 years old and, and saw a movie called Scrooge starring Albert Finney. It was a musical. Mm -hmm. I loved, and from that moment on, that's all I wanted to do. And it also, 
I, I learned to love me. I really loved musicals as a result of this. Started collecting them. You know, I would for my birthdays or Christmas, you know, my parents would have to go to the, you didn't have Amazon back then, go to the one store in the city that specialized in Broadway cast albums. And that's all I wanted for my birthday or Christmas. And uh, it was 1977. And I got as a, as a gift, the original Broadway cast uh, album from a Sondheim show called Pacific Overtures. Now this show was written by Sondheim. It starred, it, it was fascinating. I loved the musical, fell in love with it. It's about the opening up of Japan in 1853. It, it Unlike other musicals, it was pre-Sweeney Todd and Sondheim is dealing with some themes here that just blew my 17-year-old mind. It was about, you know, America coming and trading with Japan, but America ends up really screwing up Japan. It's, it's not a good consequence for Japan as depicted in the show. Hmm. Is the lead in the show, nominated for Tony, was an actor named Mako. I loved this musical i could sing the entire musical for you right now if you really wanted to hear it i could uh just a couple bars it begins all right i'll sing in the middle of the world we float in the middle of the sea the realities remain remote in the middle of the sea and that from singing along with that album repeatedly for 30 years when mako sadly passed away in yeah. 2006 I had been doing a Mako impression for 30 years. And so I love the idea of this album. You know, it was just another, it wasn't even the only album. It was one of several they gave me, but that album, which I've since framed, uh, led is why I'm sitting here today. And I, I, love, I love the idea of that story. And he can even go back further. When Albert Finney played Scrooge passed away, I, I said to my wife, oh, I'm so sorry, because I just wanted to send him a letter he probably would never have answered, but I wanted him to know, thank you. You you don't know me. You have no idea of the good your career did for me. And I just would like you to know that. Mm -hmm. My wife said, well, you can't, you know, Albert Finney is, is no longer here, but you could you could thank Sondheim. And I said, that's a good idea. I'm going to thank him for writing that show. And I'm going to tell him exactly what happened with the record and everything else. And thinking, I never thought, I just wanted to know that I'd put that under the universe, that I had shown my gratitude to this man who had given me this gift. Yeah. Sure enough, about four weeks later, my wife comes in, oh my God, Greg, you were not going to believe what came in the mail. It was a handwritten note from Stephen Sondheim saying, you know, I'm this year's, I love to hear from your letter. It made me feel great. I'm glad that the show had such a salubrious effect on your career. Salubrious. This is Sondheim because only yes. Sondheim, first of all, after I looked up salubrious, I, said this, I don't know what it means. It means good. It basically, it means good. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and it's like, hey, that's Sondheim, you know? So, you know, it's an interesting, it's, it, I love because it's just so strange. This mm -hmm. 17 year old boy singing along with the album. And then it, I, I, I love it. I love that it all, and I can point a leading to point b leading to point c and i've you know I, I i i tried from the moment i was cast as ira there wasn't as much social media back then more so when they revisited samurai jack right and, and i realized that the only way i'm going to keep from from being raked across the coals is i just come out at the very beginning and say you know because i know i'm going to get a lot of well you're not no you're no mako it's like mm -hmm. of course i'm no mako I'm I am trying to impersonate Mako. Mako, 
was nominated for an Oscar for the Sand Pebbles. He was nominated for a Tony. He started the first uh, equity Asian theater company in, in, in the United States. This was a great man. I'm not, no, I'm not Mako. I'm not, I'm not, you know? Yeah. I try my best to honor his life and his legacy. The, the odd thing with, with both Aku and Iroh is not only am I coming in, and these are iconic characters, Yes, but there's an iconic actor that voiced these iconic characters. So I'm doubly, you know, he, it's it's always in the back of my mind. I, the first time I ever heard myself speak on Avatar, it was in the the episode that everyone remembers uh, about. It was the one that was dedicated to Maka, where he's saying leaves from the vine at his son's yes. grave. Everyone cry. Everyone did cry in this house too. A couple of uh, scenes before that, there are some earthbending kids playing soccer and they break a window. Mm-hmm. Now, for whatever reason, they had to pick up these lines. Maka was obviously unavailable. So when you hear Iroh in those scenes, only in that episode, it's me. Oh. Watched it that night and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. I don't sound anything like Mako because I did my, and literally in the next scene, Mako was actually speaking. And when you put us together, I, th- I think it is obvious that I am not Mako Aramatsu. But when it's just me and, you, and when I'm not right up against them, eh, it's, it's close enough. I think I, mean, I get better, you know, in the series as it progresses. Well, you, you begin your first episode as Combustion Man. I forgot about combustion, man. And and also as Iroh doing efforts, which for the kids at home is like getting stabbed or doing a fight. Like, oh, uh, you do, do you do it? Do some uh, efforts. Oh, oh, video games, man. Video games. I've like done a the, zillion video games. Yeah. The best death by fire in the business. You know, I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and of course you have to do that. 50 times. 50 times. <laughs> Which is why video games. Sometimes video games at the end of the You know, I, I was wondering because uh, I've done a couple of video games myself and was murdered 1600 ways. As you know, as the, the woman, especially in this, uh, I can't even remember some zombie thing. And, um, and a neighbor came by and was like, is everything all right? <laughs> it really, and you know, it's funny. Animation, straight voiceover. Video games are by far the hardest, I think. Oh, Pre- yeah, yeah. Precisely because of all those efforts. Okay, this you're getting hit this time, but you're not getting hit hard. Okay, this time you're really getting hit hard. Let me have a few of those. You're stabbing her, but you miss. Yeah, it, yeah. it's like that. And, you know, it's fun, though. Video games are cool. Yeah, yeah. Very good time. Um, but the efforts, the efforts. I don't like doing the efforts because they make me feel stupid. <laughs> I, yeah, but you know, sometimes I go. Also, sexual sounding. <laughs> now that you mention it, I always just go, "My, I'm an old man, and I'm getting paid to do this. This is pretty, <laughs> this is pretty awesome." You know? <laughs> having, having for many years been in the exciting world of business and legal affairs at Walt Disney. Uh, oh, I did. So that's your previous. That's your previous world. I, I uh, at various places worked at the Writers Guild. I worked for Warner Independent. Disney laid me off twice. Bastards. I, and I actually ended up working for them three times because I went back and worked at Marvel. I was the screen credits manager. In other words, that seems uh, tedious. You know, it, it was it, it was tedious and sometimes really frightening, mainly 
when I worked at Marvel. On all of the Marvel films from Iron Man 3 through Ant-Man, when you see the screen credits, and there are a gazillion screen credits in a right. Marvel, that is all my work. That is what I did. And my job as a credits administrator, managers to make sure everything's spelled properly, you know, make sure that if there's only one grip, it doesn't say grips, sort out the singulars and plurals, make everything is contractual for the big guys. Uh-huh. And Marvel, Marvel was a great place to work. I loved working at Marvel, except for the terror. <laughs> because they were a wonderful company. They would actually invite everybody to their premiere, not their cast and crew screening. We got to go to the premiere with all the stars and everything else. The problem with that is I was seeing the credits at the El Capitan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 40 feet tall. I would literally close my eyes. It's like, you know, just tell me when the credits are over. Because if there's a mistake, I don't want to see it 30 right. feet high. Because <laughs> if there's a mistake, I know that somebody's going to be calling me tomorrow and it's not going to be very pretty. Yeah. You know, boy, when you, uh, when you misspell the name of, say, like a producer's assistant, they don't like that. No. I did learn that you can triage. For example, the second unit grip, it's not going to bite you on the butt quite so badly as, for example, if you misspell Chris Evans' name. That's going to be bad. That's going to be Chris, very bad. Chris Evan. Yeah. Just <laughs> hey, the one Evan. I couldn't keep them all. You know, Chris Pratt, there's too many Chris's. To all the Chris's out there, Evans, Hemsworth, Pine, Pratt, eh, maybe not Pratt. Go ahead and hit subscribe and do that five-star thing on your Apple Podcast app thing. And hey, even if your name isn't Chris, you can do all these things as well. And write a review if you want. But only if you want. I worked on, um, well, I was, I was Angela Lansbury's assistant for a long time. And we went to Australia. To, she was in uh, Driving Miss Daisy. And they filmed it toward the end of the run. And in Melbourne. And um, it came here to New York, um, to the cinema here in New York. It was at the Bowtie Cinema, I remember, on 23rd Street. And I went to see it with, um, there was just a sparse number of Americans who live here, you know. Everyone else was Australian, the crew. And uh, it was so exciting to see the special thanks, Sarah Sweeney. But they misspelled James Earl Jones's son's name. That's where those are the danger points, you know, because you do pay attention to Chris Evans, but something like that you might not pay attention to. Yeah. And that will. He's a chill you. dude. I'm I'm sure he was just like, that's funny. Oh, well. <laughs> but but I saw it and I was like, oh, how dare they? His agent might not be. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Exactly. You're not dealing with the talent. You're dealing with the agent the or people. even the attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that you do not want. It was, you know, and, and you know, I was ha- I was actually, I liked the gig. It, you know, it was better than selling insurance. It was interesting. I got to go to Disneyland for free. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I, I, you know, I did a couple of video games a year. I did some theater. I haven't done theater in five years and I miss it. Uh, I, I never expected this. I, I know, you know, I, people say, you know, give it, can you give us any, uh, voice actor, you know, what do, what do you do? And I say, well, you know, there's, there's technical things I can tell you to do, learn to do as many dialects as you can, for mm-hmm. anim- you know, learn to do impressions. But I, I would have to say the biggest thing is perseverance because I was 46 years old when I was cast as Ira, when I'd had moderate success, nothing, nothing, you know, maybe I might work once a year. 
Yeah. How did you jump from credits manager to Uncle Iroh? Uh, I was still Iroh and, you know, I would been, I was still working. Oh, no, but how, how did you book Iroh? Oh, you know what? Funny story. It was literally the day, the first time I was laid off by Disney. The very, that was the first time. And uh, I was sitting in my office feeling rather despondent because I had just gone in and they have, you know, like they have to have HR there. Why, you know, they give you the bad news. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd gone back into my office and my agent called and said, you know, you know, that thing we auditioned you for last week, uh, you're Nickelodeon's top pick. They want to see you, you know, personally. So just an audition, just a regular. It was literally just a regular audition. It's, it's sent out like everything else, you know. Wow. Like I, recorded it in my old office at disney on a cheap uh you know radio shack microphone yeah uh and yeah and then they i think from that point on i think i went back to nickelodeon twice the first time i was just andrea romano mm -hmm. i think it's some other people the last time was the scary one with with the creative execs and you know literally the 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 booth was on the other side of the glass was just filled with suits terrifying you know? and it was it was terrifying and uh, andrea says at one point she says okay now uh we're gonna turn off so you can't hear us because we're all gonna talk about you now <laughs> i and love I that talking about me and it's like oh this is it was intense yes yeah. it's you know yeah. And then the first day I walked in, you know, for the first uh, record session was also because I'm walking in and it, 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 I, I'm dealing with these actors and they knew Maka was a friend and a, and a peer and a co-worker mm. and felt really odd walking in. And he hadn't been gone for maybe four or three, four months, not long. Yeah. It felt very weird going in. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm the guy that's replacing your 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 passed over friend, you know. But everybody was so nice. Dante was so nice. Uh, the same with Samurai Jack. Everyone's been very welcoming. You know, no yeah. one's been too. Uh, uh, when I was Samurai Jack, another story. I, I tell this story a lot, but it's a great story. The green room of Cartoon Network, I, you know, Samurai Jack, I walk in, sign into the green room in the book. You know, I noticed some above someone has written Mako is signed in. And I'm thinking, well, that's a sick joke, you know. Boy, what a, I, I, I get it. I'm no Mako. Okay, thank you. Go back to go back to the green room, and I'm sitting there. And I notice a, a a woman and a teenage son. She's talking to Gendy Tartakovsky, the the creative. Oh my gosh, yeah. Gendy calls me over. Says, "Greg, there's someone I want you to meet." Oh, okay. This is Mako's daughter and grandson, who's also <gasps> named Mako. And I'm going. I wish maybe you'd give me a heads up to this. Yeah. It's one thing, it's one thing to do an iconic role as voiced by an iconic actor. It's another matter altogether to say, oh, by the way, your dad, whom you loved, uh, and still up, I'm going to be doing an impression of him now. I'm your new dad. Yeah. And it's like, I was very, very nervous. Going I'm sure. In. And I, I could not see the other side of the glass, but, but Phil Lamar, who played Samurai Jack, could. Mm -hmm. And, and he said later that once I started speaking, Mako's daughter just leans back in her chair and does this. She's listening to me speak. And then I didn't know this. All I knew is once the, uh, the session's over, I come out, she comes right up to me with tears in her eyes, gives me a big hug and says, thank you so much. It was like he was in the room with us again. And I thought, and I thought at that time, I thought, wow, you know, that is, this is a, 
high mark in my life because what I, you know, you relate these things to yourself. And I just thought, you know, even though I don't, I think my Mako impression is all right. It's good enough, I guess. But what I wouldn't give to hear even a, a, a crappy impression of my own father's voice again. Yeah. And it's like, wow, if I was able to do that, if, then that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good, not professionally, but from a human perspective. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to give her that gift, you know, even for just a little while. Wow. That, that is of all, of all. And again, that's, I can also say, well, you're no Mako. I was like, well, no, I'm no Mako, but his daughter thinks I'm okay. <laughs> but let me tell you a story here. <laughs> that's a pretty good, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it was, and I'm, there's something where I went from such terror going, oh, I wish again, you told me, oh, to like, wow, this is one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Thank that's you again. Incredible. I'm glad I didn't know now. Yeah. I would yeah. have upset over it going in. I loved Samurai Jack so much. Like I was in college, I think maybe when, when that came out. And then when the fifth season came out with you, it was like, oh my God, there's another person. Holy crap. Same, same, same. And um, I think that's our, 2017 is when season five of Samurai Jack came out. And that's when I found you on Twitter. And and here we are. <laughs> well, I had only been using Twitter at that point. I had a Facebook account. I had only been using Twitter to um, speak to Mr. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. You can't do that anymore. And I, and I, it occurred to me one day, I so said, wait a minute, you know, instead of just, you know, and I had, wait a minute, Twitter made this guy president. Maybe you should take Twitter a little more seriously, dude, and figure out how to use it. Cool. <laughs> Instead of just making yourself feel better by hurling insults at the president. Uh, yeah. And Twitter has turned out to be, I love it. I love that I can communicate with people. And, and you know, I feel like, I feel like I know some of these people. Yeah. I really, yeah, you know? I know what you mean. I feel like I know you. I have a handful of people I've never met that I feel like I know. And, you know, some of them are on the other side of the world. And I think even though social media might very well get us all killed uh, <laughs> it also has done some good things as well yes for sure I mean when you followed me back I lost my mind I, I'm sure my husband doesn't recall but I was like oh, it's a coup a coup followed me I like to that too is something I love to do because sometimes if I just I, I randomly just go through and I'll just and I'll just go find someone that has no idea and I'll just say something to them on Twitter and then follow them and it makes them so happy. And it's like, this is so cool to be able to just make, yeah, I could just make someone stay. And that's, by the way, I'm just a fat old guy who likes to drink bourbon. But if you think that's cool, I'm glad I made you happy. You sure did, sir. <laughs> okay, that's part one. There's going to be a part two. So come back next week for more. And you can hear Uncle Iroh do a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. See you then. Latchkey Kids is produced by Nightshift Radio, a modern media company specializing in creating and cultivating original podcasts. Our director of content is Michael Veit, which is most definitely not his real name. Our director of operations is Caleb Coy. Kitsy is our director of production with design help from Debbie Bostwick. Find me, Sarah Sweeney, on Twitter at Hey Sarah Sweeney.